CCBS family. I'm glad to be able to speak to you, disappointed to be speaking to you on a screen rather than in person, but a positive COVID test on Friday afternoon for me has made that necessary. I'm fine, apart from a sore throat, but I can't really be with you in person. I don't think that would be wise. So here we are. Nonetheless, I'm excited to be speaking to you today. Um, we're on our way through, heading towards the end of this series we're doing called Kingdom, the dominion of the king, his rule and his reign. We've just celebrated Easter, that incredible declaration of the authority and the power of Jesus over death, over sin. He is alive. He is amongst us. He is with us today. And we welcome you, King Jesus. We welcome you in our midst. We welcome your rule and your reign. I'm excited today to be speaking uh, to us about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be speaking about baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know for you if that's a, a new concept, a concept you haven't particularly thought about or heard about before. Perhaps you're sitting there this morning. And uh, you're thinking, well, I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't quite understand this. Well, my prayer is that by the end of today, not only will you understand and have a foundation of faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but that you will also have experienced either for the first time or the 1500th time, the a fresh and powerful infilling of the Holy Spirit. That is the desire of my heart and I believe it is the desire of the Father's heart for every single one of us. So I tell you what, even though uh, I'm here at home and you're sitting there in the care center, why don't you just stand to your feet? Go ahead, go on, up you get, stand to your feet and just pray this after me. Ready? Okay, here we go. Holy Spirit, come in a fresh way into my life. Have your way in me. Amen. Amen. All right, take your seats again. We're going to press on through this. And uh, I know that God has good things in store for every one of us today. So we've been doing this series, as I say. I just want to give you the, the heads up that over the next couple of weeks, we're kind of in this season now where after Easter, after that declaration that Jesus is king, we're looking at the so what. Okay, he's king. So, so what does that mean? Well, the first thing, and that's what I'm going to deal with today, is the fact that now that Jesus has risen and has ascended to the right hand of the Father, from there, the, the uh, glorious thing that he gets to do is he gets to pour out the Holy Spirit on his people. We're going to see that um, in a little, just a few minutes time. And so today, uh, we're looking at this subject of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being a people who are so full of his presence that it just overflows all around us. This is the first consequence, if you like, of the fact that Jesus is king and he has done this for his people. Then over these next two weeks, next Sunday, we've got our very own Sue Curry, who is going to be speaking to us about the gift of prophecy. And she's going to be bringing us a prophetic message because one of the consequences that Jesus is king is that his people hear his voice. Jesus is king. He has filled us with his Holy Spirit and now we get to hear his voice for ourselves, for one another and for those all around us. And then two weeks time we've got a guest speaker and I'm really excited to be able to introduce to you Pete Carter uh, who is the leader, uh, one of the leaders at uh, Eastgate Church down in Gravesend. Pete is going to be speaking to us on the subject of healing. Again, this is one of the consequences that Jesus is king. Not only are we full of his spirit and we hear his voice, but we get to move in, uh, in power because of the lordship 
and the authority of Jesus Christ. That's going to be an exciting week. Pete has seen many, many uh, occasions where God has uh, worked either around him or through him uh, in gifts of healing and brought incredible breakthrough into people's lives. That's going to be an exciting week, one not to miss. Make sure that you're with us on uh, May the 8th for that one. But today we're looking at this subject of baptism in the Holy Spirit. One of the things which Jesus said that he is here to do. I just want to kind of say to us up front, because Jesus is king, he comes as king. He comes as Lord into our lives. And we've got to be willing to accept him on his terms. We don't get to kind of pick and choose. This is not a pick and mix. This is not a recipe suggestion. When Jesus comes to his people, his people need to be ready to receive him as he reveals himself. Not as we want to receive him, not as we are comfortable to receive him, but on his terms. Let's look at a few of the ways as we start out in the ways in which Jesus reveals himself to us. This is in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 uh, verse 18. Let me just read that to you uh, straight away here. John chapter 1 verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart and he, that is Jesus, has revealed God to us. And then secondly, also in John chapter 1 and verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So there we have the first two ways in which Jesus reveals himself. Why did Jesus come? First of all, he came to reveal the Father. Secondly, he came to deal with our sin, to deal with the sin problem. And these first two are attributes of Jesus, attributes of our King, which I think most of us will have heard before and be perhaps very, very familiar with. He has come to show us what God is like. As I've preached and said before, and a number of writers speak in these terms, they say Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. He shows us what God is like. That's why he came. Of course, he also came to deal with sin, to pay the price so that you and I can be completely free, so that our relationship with this perfect Father can be restored. This is the foundation of our faith and this is the stuff that is taught in churches uh, all around the world, regularly so. I trust that none of this is a surprise to any of us here this morning. But there are also at least a couple of other things that are revealed to us in Scripture as to why did Jesus come. The third one is this. You find it in uh, John, again, John chapter 1, this time in verse 33. Let me read it to you again from here. John says, I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. This is, again, one of the reasons why Jesus came. He came to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then fourthly, um, in 1 John, so again the same author, but this not in the gospel, but in the letter, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says this, But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So there are at least four 
of the foundational reasons why Jesus came. He came to deal with sin. He came to reveal the Father. But he also came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and to destroy the works of the evil one. And I want to underline to us today that whilst the first two of these things, revealing the Father and dealing with sin, are of course absolutely central, that in and of themselves, that's not the full picture. God has a bigger dream for us, his children. And that dream is that you and I, and for us corporately as his church, that we will be full of the power of the Holy Spirit, that we'll be drenched, immersed in this person of the Trinity. And that because of that, the influence of our lives will overflow and through our lives we will destroy the works of the enemy as he has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. That our lives will overflow his nature and we will push back the darkness and bring the light and the life of the kingdom of God wherever we go. You see, Jesus did not just commission his disciples to go out and be good fishermen or go out and be good tax collectors or good doctors. He has not commissioned you and I to go out into our workplaces tomorrow and be nice. Now, don't get me wrong. I want you to go out and be nice. That's important. But there's so much more than that. You and I are commissioned as his representatives to go out into this world in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit and to bring heaven's resources and heaven's power into our workplaces, into our homes, into our families, into our streets, to destroy the works of the evil one, wherever that may manifest, in hopelessness and despair and brokenness. He doesn't just want you to go into the classroom tomorrow if you're a teacher and to be a good teacher. He wants you to be a supernaturally infused teacher. He wants you to bring the ideas of heaven into your classroom, into your office, into your boardroom, into graphic design, into uh, industry, wherever you may be, into the shops, into the supermarkets of our towns. He wants us to be his representatives in every sphere of influence, bringing heaven's resources, the power of heaven, the glory of heaven with us wherever we go. But it is his desire that we do not go out and try to push back the effect of darkness in this world without the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So much so that he spoke to his own disciples at the end of Luke chapter 24. Let me read that to you now. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city. That's Jerusalem. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. A little bit later, he also says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he repeats that same injunction to the disciples. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Did you notice there? He says to them, do not depart from Jerusalem. Do not try to go and do this in your own strength. To put it another way, do not try to fulfill the great commission with just parts one and two, with a revelation of the Father and your sins forgiven. That's not enough. Jesus says to his church, I want you to fulfill your commission full of my Holy Spirit. Don't try to do it in your own strength. 
And of course, our enemy, the devil, would greatly prefer it if you and I were to go out into this world and seek to fulfill this great commission purely in our own strength and not reliant on the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. That He'd love that because let's face it, you and I operating just as nice people, well, we're not going to be too much of a concern to him. And I believe that you can see from very early on in the history of the church that this whole concept, this whole truth of being full of the Spirit's power has been opposed and attacked by Satan. Early on in the church's history, you see examples where the gospel was, was being advanced and yet the clarity on, on this issue had been lost to at least some degree. Look at Acts chapter 19 and verses 1 to 6. It says in verse 1, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So what we see here in Acts chapter 19 is a group of believers. These were true disciples of Jesus. They had heard about him and they had chosen to follow him, but they had not been fully instructed. This extra essential element of the purpose of Jesus Christ had been withheld from them or not fully taught to them. And so they were following Jesus, but they were doing so in their own strength. They were not empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul had to bring this correction. He had to expand the picture, expand their understanding so that they would have a full picture of who Jesus is. And as he brings this revelation, they come to realize, oh, we, we, were, we were not fully instructed. And, and they, they turn, they change the way they think. They recognize we need this. We need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul prays for them. He puts his hands on them and prays for them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Previously, if they, be, they were asked, have you received the Holy Spirit? They said no. Afterwards, there would have been absolutely no hesitation. They would have said, certainly we did. We definitely have been empowered. We have been changed. The Spirit came upon us. We are now full of His presence. That is the, the full transformation that we are uh, looking to live in together as His people. My own experience of church kind of testifies to this as well. I grew up in a, in a church that believed in Jesus, loved God, um, but somehow over the years had uh, downgraded their expression of the Trinity. It wasn't Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It was basically Father, Son and Holy Scriptures. The, the, the person of the Holy Spirit was never spoken about, never talked about. There was no instruction on being filled with the power of the Spirit. And I must confess that the end result was a group of really lovely people, but who lacked the fire, who lacked the conviction, who lacked the power uh, of the Spirit's presence in their lives. Similarly, when, we, uh, when I moved over to England, I was living in Southampton at the time and I was in a church there, which acknowledged that there was this person of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit, but it was very obvious that they preferred to kind of not talk about him, not involve him at all, not, uh, not focus on his presence or his power or his purpose amongst God's people. 
Such a shame because uh, this just plays into the hands of our enemy who would love for the church of Jesus Christ to be powerless, to be devoid of the glorious, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. But that is not what Jesus intended. God wants you full. God wants you confident that you are full of the presence of his Holy Spirit every day, 24-7, not just for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, but every day, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, knowing that as you go, so the presence of the Almighty God goes with you, that you are full of him, and therefore you have confidence to deal with whatever this world throws at you, that you will be triumphant, that you will be uh, able to advance to take his kingdom and to express his glory. The great news about this baptism in the Holy Spirit is that it is for everyone. No one is left out, young and old, male and female, whatever your background, whatever your history. The price has been paid by Jesus on the cross, which has opened the way for you not only to step into salvation, but to step into the inheritance of your salvation, which includes this filling of the Holy Spirit. No one is disqualified. No one is left out. Over the years, I've heard a number of different excuses or reasons why people believe that they really shouldn't or couldn't possibly aspire to being filled with the Holy Spirit. I wonder if this list makes sense to any of you. Have you heard yourself or have you heard others say some of these things? Well, I haven't been a Christian long enough yet. I don't understand the Bible well enough yet. Um, well, this, this thing of baptism in the Spirit, this is only for the leaders, not for, not for me. God doesn't love me enough. I'm just not good enough. If you've ever thought any of those things, well, first of all, let me just say, I totally understand because I've been there myself. But none of those reasons are even slightly biblical. None of those reasons are found anywhere in scripture. And I just want to take a few minutes to look at John chapter seven to show you where Jesus teaches really clearly into this subject of baptism in the spirit and to show you how totally included you are in this promise. So where we pick up this story, uh, Jesus is at a festival in Jerusalem, a major festival of the people. And uh, we pick up verse 37, it says this, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted this to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Did you see the invitation? It's for anyone, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Verse 39, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Did you notice that Jesus does not say anyone who has followed me for a long number of years, anyone who understands my word really well, anyone who's in leadership. He doesn't say any of those things. He simply says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. That anyone is for each and every one of us. His desire is to pour out the Holy Spirit upon every one of us who follow and believe in him so that we will live spirit-empowered lives, bringing his glory to this earth. 
Now this was of course incredibly good news for all those who were listening to him on that hot day there in Israel. Come to me and drink anyone who is thirsty. And can you imagine for a second being in the midst of that crowd, hearing these words from this wonderful Jesus who everyone is talking about and hearing this open invitation, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. And you push your way through the crowd, you make your way to the front, you say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm thirsty, I want to drink, I want to have this living water flowing from within me, give it to me now, Jesus. Jesus would have said, no, not right now, you've got to wait, this isn't the right time, because as it said there in verse 39, I have not yet been glorified. The only reason that was holding the outpouring of the Spirit back was that Jesus himself had not at that point gone through his crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Jesus had not been glorified. But today, Jesus is glorified. We celebrated his resurrection at Easter just a week ago. He is glorified. He is seated in glory. He is at the right hand of the Father. And from that place of glory, he is ready to pour out the Holy Spirit, to pour out this life-giving water to every one of us. There are no distinctions. There is nothing holding us back. There is no reason why you today would not receive this incredible, beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit poured into your life. Are you thirsty? That's the only thing. Are you thirsty? If you're thirsty, then come and drink. He wants to pour out his spirit into your life today. And for those of us who have drunk of the Holy Spirit before, maybe many times in our lives, the great news as well is it's not just a one-time deal. It's not just something you do way back in history and you look back on it and go, oh yeah, I remember when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 tells us, do not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the sense of those words, be filled, is go on being filled. Be filled again and again and again. This is not a one-time drink that the Lord Jesus pours out on his people. It's meant to be a day by day, moment by moment, constantly refreshing, outpouring of his presence upon us. So if you find yourself thirsty today, whether it's for the first time or the thousandth time, just come to him and drink. He wants his people full. He wants us empowered. He wants us to, to receive the fullness that he has for us every day. So what I'm going to do is hand back to the guys on the front row. They're going to lead us through this time of ministry. I want to encourage us all right now, just before I do so. So let's stand in our seats. Let's be ready to receive. Jesus said, if you're thirsty... Come to me and drink. Let's drink deeply. Don't allow the transition moment as this video comes to an end, as the guys at the front come and begin to lead us forward. Don't allow any of this to disturb the flow of what is going on in your heart. Jesus says to you, if you're thirsty, come and drink. Let's drink deeply. Let's receive this gift of the Holy Spirit.